0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe. Every team, every topic, everywhere. I'm your host, Nara Wang, and for episode 93, the Fox Sports sideline reporter covering the USC-Oregon game, Josh Sims, is my guest. Josh, welcome to the Everything USC
0: podcast. How you doing, man? I'm excited to be on. Thanks for asking me. This will be my third USC game of the season, so might as well call me just an USC (laughs) insider at this point, huh?
1: Yeah, and... Of course, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and so many more. Or you can go right to our website at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, I am on X, or as I call it, the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Josh, if the people want to catch up with what you're up to, where should they go
0: on X, you can catch me at Josh R. Sims and on Instagram it's josh sims two eight seven Facebook page is just Josh Sims sports broadcaster, so to see a number of different things with my content all over those three platforms.
1: The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. The last of the major pro sports leagues is often rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. All the hoops, betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. With NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL all in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. The Trojans suffered their third loss in the last four games going down on the 100th homecoming weekend in school history, 52-42 to the 5th ranked Washington Huskies and all but ended their chances to go to the Pac-12 championship game. Again, despite a great offensive performance, 515 total yards by the Trojans, Caleb Williams, 27-35, 312 yards, accounted for four touchdowns the leader in the nation in touchdowns account for had one on the ground and three through the air didn't throw a pick was sacked three times including that strip sack on the last possession of the first half that led to the huskies touchdown to take the lead going into the break at 35 28 and really swung the momentum of the game toward washington austin jones the running back started for the injured Marshawn lloyd had a good game 11 carries 127 yards and a touchdown. Relique Brown, making his first appearance since the first game of the season, had a touchdown run. Darwin Barlow off the bench with a touchdown run as well. Taj Washington, leading receiver once again, eight catches, 122 yards, and a touchdown. But as is always the story with USC, it's about the D, and the defense was not good again. Just one sack, had one INT, allowed a whopping 572 yards. Almost eight yards a play by the Huskies. Kalen Bullock led the team with nine tackles, but was caught out of position a few times in the secondary. Eric Gentry, the linebacker, probably for the second straight game, the best Trojan defender had eight tackles, a sack, and a pass breakup. Christian Roland-Wallace had the INT. Michael Penix Jr. came in as one of the Heisman favorites for this season, and He had a solid game, 22-30, 256 yards, two touchdowns, just the one pick. But the real star of the game, running back Dylan Johnson, evoking memories of Corey Dillon, possibly for UW fans. 26 carries, 256 yards, four touchdowns, named the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week. The man's career high was 100 yards rushing coming into the game against SC, more than doubles that. Wide receiver Roma Dunze, five receptions, 82 yards. Jalen Polk, the other star receiver, also had five catches, 52 yards, and a touchdown. On defense, the edge rusher Zion Tupuola-Fatui, four tackles, one and a half sacks. And he was the one who forced the fumble by Caleb Williams on that strip sack that was recovered by Braylon Trice. The loss drops USC out of all the rankings and got defensive coordinator Alex Grinch fired the day after. Defensive line coach Sean Nua and inside linebackers coach Brian Odom will now be the co-defensive coordinators for the rest of the season. And former Trojan safety Taylor Mays has been elevated to be the safety's coach. And for the last few weeks, Josh, on X, I've been running the Grinch gripe scale poll, getting the pulse of the USC fans on how they felt about the defense, obviously based on the Dr. Seuss classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So the final results, since Alex Grinch is no longer the D coordinator for USC, stealing Christmas, which would be if you think that obviously the Trojans' defense has been very bad, chilling in the cave if you're neutral, and then feasting with the Who's if you thought that, hey, maybe they're doing pretty good. In the final poll, 47% of the vote came in for stealing Christmas. The remaining votes split evenly among chilling in the cave and feasting with the Who's, I think the people who said feasting with the Hoos were probably Huskies fans, but, you know, you're allowed to vote however you want. So, Josh Sims, was this the right time to fire Alex Grinch?
0: I mean, technically, probably not. It probably should have happened much sooner than this because, you know, it, it happens and basically at this point all hope is lost for a chance of all the goals that this UST team had set going into the year. And, and you knew going into the season that Grinch – was it the guy that they needed him to be in terms of getting that defense where it needed to be to contend in a very good Pac-12 this year? And, you know, they start off 6-0 and and you're like, well, maybe they can get enough done on the defensive side of the ball to get this team into Pac-12 championship game and get them into the championship four. But then once they start playing the legit teams in the conference, you really saw the problems of that defense rear its ugly head. And yeah, they got a ton of transfers in to try and bolster that defense and try and fix the problems they had from a year ago. But you go back to Oklahoma and you saw the same problems there from Grinch's defense and that last year before he came over to USC. So if you wanted any chance of contending and, like I mentioned, getting those goals accomplished, you probably should have made the decision at the end of last year going into this year and chance of giving yourself a chance. So is it the right time? No, it should have happened before. And now they're in a position where they're clinging on to a slim chance of hope of getting into the Pac-12 championship game. And they have a short window before a tough Oregon team of trying to figure out what they can do to try and slow that team down. And you hear everything from Odom and Nua talking about, I don't know how much we can really change going into this game. You can't reinvent the wheel in a week. So they're in a tough position in terms of, trying to make changes, but also not trying to do too much to completely confuse that defense heading into this big time matchup. So it really is tough for this USC team. They're in a a really tough spot. And, you know, you want to give Lincoln Riley some credit for being loyal to his guy, but I think he was loyal to a fault because it really happened too late for this USC team.
1: And the way they're going to do it, Sean Nua is going to be on the field. Odom is up in the booth. So they're going to be coordinating it that way. And like you said, it's hard to really do much with just a couple of games left here in the regular season. But do you think the firing can spur the team, get some more positive results the rest of the season? Or is this defense really just what it is at this point?
0: That's the big question, right? Because was it a product of Grinch's defensive schemes or was it a product of them not having the right players for this defense we'll find out (laughs) pretty quickly this weekend but they have talented guys that's the thing you look up and down that defense and, and you got some guys that can really play whether it's Muhammad whether it's Bear Alexander whether it's the guys in the secondary Bullock and Max Williams and them so it's not for a lack of talent so that's when I start to lean on on the scheme because After the game, you had a number of different guys, whether it was Mason Cobb saying it, whether it was Bullock saying it, whether, you know, some of the other guys, Shane Lee saying guys just weren't in the right spots. They weren't in the right gaps. And, you know, that to me goes back to coaching, but that goes back to the discipline of the guys listening to the coaching and the schemes. So when you have a situation like that and you really get punched in the mouth a bunch of weeks in a row, now it's on those guys in the room, you know, you look at a guy, On this defense, a guy like Mason Cobb, you know, can you rally the troops? He said he called everybody before practice on Tuesday or got everybody huddled up and wanted to rally the troops. Now you're really going to see whether or not they can rally for these last couple of games and, and do something with that defense and make it look like, you know, make the talent on that defense actually show up on the field or whether it was a product of them just not having the right guys. And
1: while it's not fair to pin anything really on the offense or Caleb Williams for most of the struggles by the Trojans, one of the things that you do have to say about Caleb is despite the fact that he makes all those exciting plays and is really a wonderful guy to watch, sometimes he looks too much for the big play. And sometimes when he's running around, that ball security is just not there. And that's what led to that strip sack there with USC trying to get a final score, take a lead going into halftime, and instead it goes the other way. What would you say about some of those criticisms about Caleb?
0: Yeah, you know, Caleb's kind of a victim of playing a lot of hero ball right now, and I think it's a product of the fact that he knows he almost needs to make a home run play on nearly every play, or at least every drive, so he's going to try and extend plays, and there's times where he probably should throw it away and live to fight for another down. And he feels like he has to hit a home run and he'll scramble too much to a fault. And it leads to like that play you mentioned where they get the fumble right before half. And it seems to always come back to the defense, right? You know, if the defense put them in positions where Caleb doesn't have to make big plays on each and every drive, then maybe he can be a little more conservative and, you know, they can lean more on their running game or he can check down or or throw the ball away instead of trying to make a big play every time. You know, Caleb still is out there making incredible plays each and every game, and he's given everything he has. But if the defense could keep them in these games, then you wouldn't have Caleb needing to do everything that he has to try and do on offense. And I think, you know, that right there is the main issue with what they're having and what Caleb has to do.
1: This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today covers. College football on the sidelines, as well as NASCAR for Fox Sports, Josh Sims. He'll be on the call of USC and Oregon this weekend. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Or go right to our website, believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Network. For me, I'm on the X or the Twitter or whatever you'd like to call it, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Josh, where can the people find out what you're up to?
0: Yeah, on X, it's at Josh R Sims, Instagram, Josh Sims287, Facebook, Josh Sims Sports Broadcaster. You can catch all my content on there.
1: All right, this is Tim Brando of Fox Sports, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang here on the Believe Network. And now let's take a look at the game that Josh will be at in Eugene, Oregon on Saturday night. It's USC and Oregon under the lights of Autzen Stadium, 7:30 p.m. start, broadcasted on Fox and the USC radio network flagship station KABC 790 AM. The Ducks, sixth-ranked team in the country, come in at eight and one so far this season overall, five and one in the Pac-12. That only loss to the University of Washington. Their head coach Dan Lanning, in his second season in Eugene, it'll beat his first. Matchup against USC. The Trojans lead the all time series 39 wins against 22 losses and two ties. One of those wins technically vacated. The last game was back in 2020. USC lost at home 34 31 in what was the Pac 12 title game during that pandemic season. The last game up at Oregon happened way back in 2015, a 48 28 Trojans loss. Some of the notable guys to look at on the Ducks offense, the fifth year senior quarterback, Bo Nix, the Auburn transfer, leading all of FBS so far this season with a 78% completion percentage thrown for 2,723 yards, 25 touchdowns against just two interceptions. They've also got a great running back in junior Bucky Irving, the Minnesota transfer, 119 carries, 821 yards and nine touchdowns but also a threat out of the backfield. 35 catches, 286 yards, and a score. And their leading receiver, junior Troy Franklin, has 58 receptions, 946 yards, and 10 touchdowns, leading the team in all of those categories. Josh, is this the best offense USC is facing this season?
0: Yeah, I I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, you just look at all the numbers in, in which Oregon leads the nation in, You know, their quarterback, like you mentioned, the efficiency numbers is it's tops in the nation. Obviously, he's got the most starts of any quarterback in the nation. He's got the experience. He's very decisive and he's got weapons left and right. You know, you talked about Troy Franklin and what he's able to do for this team. You know, Tez Johnson coming off his best game of the season. You know, obviously Bucky Irving is, is an incredible running back and he gives them, you know, three great threats right there. And that's just the top of the line. You know, obviously they have other receivers that have made big plays. I think one of the the biggest things about this Oregon team is that offensive line has been healthy and has been together all season long, which, you know, not a lot of teams can say. And when you have that type of stability, it really goes a long way in making your quarterback feel comfortable. It goes a long way in opening up holes for your running game, and it goes a long ways in giving time for your quarterback to get the ball out to those receivers. So, you know, you look up and down this roster and you look at what they've been able to do on the field, the points per game they're putting up. It's kind of mind-blowing numbers right now. And, you know, USC can score. We know that. And it's really going to get into a shootout, I think, personally, in this game. But I just think this is the most stout offense that USC, you know, has seen. And that's coming off a game against a very good Washington offense. So uh, so they could be in a little bit of trouble if the defense can't get stops because this Oregon team is, you know, you just look at the numbers. They can really, really put points on the board quick.
1: Another guy who will be very motivated to play against the Trojans is Gary Bryant Jr., the receiver who transferred from USC, although he may make more of an impact in the return game, but you know he's going to be looking forward to going against his old teammates. Now, on the other side of the ball for the Oregon defense, they're led by senior defensive back Evan Williams, who transferred in from Fresno State, leads the team with 53 tackles, four of those for loss, three and a half of them. Being sacks also has a fumble recovery. The other junior DB, Taishim Johnson, has been really good for the Ducks as well. And the leading sacker senior defensive end, Brandon Dorius, has five and a half tackles for loss, four of them being sacks, six pass breakups, five QB hurries, and a fumble recovery. But as good as this defense is, we know how good the Trojans' offense is, and they put up big numbers against Washington in a loss. Can they? continue to put up big numbers against this Ducks defense?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the big question, right? This team has been, you know, one of the top defenses, I think their 11th in total defense in the country. And we saw that when they played another electric offense in Washington, that Washington was able to put points on the board. So we know this Oregon team can be scored on, and we know USC is one of the top scoring offenses in the nation. So... I think while this Oregon defense is really good and they got playmakers all over the board, I don't think they're going to shut down this USC offense the way that they've been able to shut down their last few opponents, just because, you know, we talked about how special Caleb Williams is and the amount of weapons. I mean, you, you can have, you know, all the guys in the secondary that Oregon has that make some big time plays and that defensive line, which really gets after the quarterback and is stout. But anytime you have that many weapons that USC has, you can only hold them down for so long. So I mentioned it before. I think this game is going to turn out to be a shootout. I think similar to the Oregon Washington game or the, you know, the USC Washington game. I think that's going to be more of a comparison of what we're going to see on Saturday night. It's all about who makes the biggest plays when it matters. And Oregon's, you know, for the most part been able to do that. USC's defense has not. So they're not going to keep them off the board. That's not going to happen. But they do have the makeup to make those big time plays. And that's what I'm looking at.
1: So let's get right to it. The predictions segment. And right now on the season, it's close between me and my guests. I have 10 wins against eight losses and two ties in the predictions. Last week, couldn't get a guest on because we had the late cancellation. So I just made my own predictions. And I wish there had been a guest because I might have won big because... My player I believed in last week, Taj Washington with the big game, and in the game score, I had Washington 45-34, so I almost had the margin right, just a little bit under, and then in the Nara's No Doubter prop bet last week, I said USC would allow at least three plays of 20 plus yards, and well, they allowed four in the first half, seven total in the game. Dylan Johnson himself had four plays of over 20 yards so I was right in all of my predictions last week but they don't get added to the tally because there was no guest to go against so this week first of all as always the players we believe in and I'll start it off he's had a couple of quiet games the last couple weeks I think he has to come up big in this one I'm talking about the true freshman Zachariah Branch I think he's going to have to break out for the Trojans in this one so he's the player I believe in Josh who are you believing in for the Trojans this weekend
0: Yeah, I'm going a little bit different. I'm going to the defensive side of the ball because if USC wants any shot, they're going to have to make an impact on defense. And I'm looking at the big fella. I'm looking at Bear Alexander. He's got one and a half sacks on the year. I look at him to double that, get a sack and a half in the game and get a couple of QB pressures, maybe a QB hit in there and really disrupt things, you know, for Bo Nix. So, hey, looking at the big fella, Bear Alexander coming through, big game from him.
1: All right. So we're going opposite sides of the ball. And of course, I got to mention just so everyone knows, Caleb Williams, I said at the beginning of the season, not eligible to be picked this year. Heisman Trophy winner, too easy a pick this year. And in the game score, I know Josh, because you're working the game, Fox Sports Policy says you can't pick a winner or a score in the game. So you get a pass on this one. So I have to get this pretty much exactly right, essentially, to get the credit for the point. That's how we do it when my guests can't pick against me so our sponsor bet online currently has usc as a 14 and a half point underdog going into this game on the road up in eugene and i think usc will cover i'm gonna pick the same score i picked last week against washington i picked 45 34 ducks so i think oregon does get the win in a high scoring game but not enough to cover the spread so essentially if usc covers then I'll get the victory on this one because, Josh, you're just not allowed to pick the game. (laughs) And so I think that's a fair way to do it. And then finally, our prop bet. Nara's no doubter for this week is going to be kind of along what you're saying. I think there's going to be a lot of offense going on this game. So I'm saying that the two teams, SC and Oregon, are combining for a 1,000 yards plus of total offense in this one. Big offensive fireworks up. Under the lights at Austin Stadium, Josh, what is your prop bet, and what are you calling it?
0: Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Caleb Williams that I'm looking at that four plus touchdowns. I think he's going for five total in this game, so i'll I'll take the over on that because this guy's motivated he he goes out and balls out every week. I don't see why he can't contribute for more than that this weekend, especially if like we both think it's going to be a high scoring game.
1: All right, so you're saying Caleb Williams accounting for at least five touchdowns in this one. Yes. Yep. All right. So, Josh, what are we calling the pick though? We got to have a fun name for this pick.
0: Oh, that's that's a good one. Is it Mm -hmm. is it
1: Sims's sure thing? Is it Josh's gem of a pick? Like, come up with something for me.
0: Yeah, I I like Sims's sure thing. That's that's a good one. The SST Sims's sure thing.
1: All right. So to recap our picks. First of all, the players we believe in. I'm going with the freshman wide receiver Zachariah Branch. Josh Sims taking the D lineman Bear Alexander. In the game score, Josh not allowed to pick since he's working the game for Fox Sports. I'm going to take Oregon 45-34. Yes, USC fans, you can be angry with me, but I think you know in your heart of hearts, you're also picking Oregon to win this one. And in our prop bet, Nara's no doubter the two teams combining for at least a thousand yards of total offense, while Josh gets to sneak in a little Caleb Williams pick by saying that he will account for at least five touchdowns in this game. So we'll see how the predictions turn out. And of course, this is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm your host, Nara Wang. My guest is the one who will be roaming the sidelines for Fox Sports on their game coverage, along with Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman in the booth, two guys who have also been on this podcast in the past, Josh Sims, and you can catch this podcast wherever you get all of your favorite podcasts or go to our website, believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com on social media at Believe Network. For me, I'm on X, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Josh Sims, let the people know where they find you.
0: Yep. You can get me on X at Josh R. Sims on Instagram at Josh Sims 287 and Facebook Josh Sims Sports Broadcaster. Hey, Trojan fans, this is Brian Jones, college football analyst for CBS Sports. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network.
1: Finally, as I do in my final segment, I get the guest to talk about What's going on in the world of college football, college sports realignment? And of course, next season, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon all moving to the Big 10. You're based out there in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. You're going to welcome Cal and Stanford to the All Coast Conference and four schools, the Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado going to the Big 12. So, Josh, from your perspective out there, how do you feel about the collapse of the Pac-12 and
0: USC becoming a Big Ten school? Yeah, it's just not right, man. (laughs) It's not what I grew up on. It's weird. And especially in a year like this where the Pac-12 has been so strong, it really, really hurts to see it break up. Because you're looking at a year where you could argue you got two teams that could make the college football playoff. And now they're going to go their separate ways. Of course, a couple of them or a bunch of them are going to the same conference. But, man, it's it's just going to be weird. And I get it. We all get what it is. It's about money. It's about TV rights and all that stuff. We all understand how this stuff works. But, you know, in your heart of hearts, it just feels wrong to have, you know, Hal and Stanford coming to play, North Carolina and Clemson in the ACC and having the Big Ten game of Washington versus Ohio State. So we're going to have to get used to it, you know, it's the way things are. That doesn't mean I'm going to like it. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like you mentioned, Washington and Oregon currently ranked 5th and 6th in the College Football Playoff rankings and in the polls, but if there was a better notoriety or whatever you want to call it for the Pac-12, if that was two SEC teams having the season that they're having, wouldn't the discussion be, "A, hey, we're going to get two Of those teams into the playoff. And meanwhile, they're both out of the playoff right now by the current rankings.
0: That's so crazy to me, you know, like I've been saying that for a couple months now. And it's just one of those things where like, like you said, if it was any other conference, we'd be looking at both. I mean, you look at the college football playoff for right now when you got Michigan and Ohio State, obviously other years you would look at it and be like, well, you know, with Georgia, even if Bama loses, they should be in it as well because of who they are. I don't get why the eye test doesn't look at it and see that Oregon and Washington are two of the, in my opinion, two of the top four teams and have proven it on the field. And there's no discussion of both of them getting in right now, both of them on the outside looking in and it just doesn't add up to me. And it just, you know, goes to a little East Coast, you know, Southern football bias. I, I get it. But, you know, it just sucks to see like. Like those teams probably both won't have a chance to get in. And it's like, how, if they can't do it this year, then, you know, what, what are we talking about? Because it's only going to get tougher when they move conferences. Right.
1: The last CFP ranking show with Greg McElroy on there, the former Alabama quarterback, ripping Cal as a bogus team, essentially. Have you looked at some of the SEC teams, especially this year? You right. talk, we don't want to talk about bogus teams. There's a lot of bogus teams in the SEC. So, I mean, The Pac-12 still can't get any love having one of these great seasons as it's about to break up. But with all this conference realignment, we know it's all about football. It's not about the other sports. Is it good for college sports as a whole?
0: No, not as a whole. You know, and, and that's the key right there. You look at the other sports and what it means for the smaller sports programs, you know, your softballs, your baseballs. You're swimming all those other sports that are going to have tough road trips when they have to travel for Stanford all the way to the East Coast to stay for, what, a week, two weeks just to play all the Carolina schools and miss all that class. So we get it. Obviously, football is king in college athletics, but I just hate what it does to the other sports because I don't know how they make it work, you know, as student athletes. Because, right, we always market them as student first and athlete second. How could they be student athletes when they're going to have to miss weeks on end just to travel to play these cross-country games so now that's where it really hurts the other sports and I just wish you could go back to the way it was when we were growing up but you know it's not going to
1: yeah I think the byproduct of the pandemic where everyone was doing classes over zoom online mm-hmm. or however I think unfortunately that's what's kind of led to oh they can just take classes online they can be on planes yeah. and do homework you're right though They love the market at the NCAA, loves the market as student first, athlete second, but we know that's not really the case when the money is being thrown around here and you're going to have college lacrosse players from USC traveling across the country and hitting up Maryland and Penn State (laughs) and whatever else probably over a week because you got to condense them and do it all at one time to kind of save on the travel, right? So it's going to be interesting how they figure out the scheduling and all that, but- Before I let you go, Josh, obviously, you're on a crew with Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman, friends of this podcast as well. They've both been on multiple times. Talk to me what it's been like joining this crew this year for Fox Sports' coverage.
0: Yeah, man. It's been a blast. Those two are great. It's seamless, you know, joining them. They're like a well-oiled machine. So right away, they're just giving me advice, helping me out, making me feel welcome when on the road. And You know, it it took one road trip for me with the team. The first game I did with them was the Stanford-USC game, and I think I heard every one of Brando's stories. I learned everything there is to know about Tim Brando. I thought so, but then I realized, you know, that man can tell stories from sunup to sundown and still have a whole arsenal of more stories to tell. But he's got an incredible career. He's been through so much that, you know, he can, to the day, like, talk about something that happened in 1982 and tell you what the weather was like on that day where he was, what he ate, where he went, what the final score of the game was. That guy's mind is absolutely incredible. And Spence, man, Spence is, is so great, so helpful. You know, he's a funny dude. I don't know if anyone ever heard him tell some stories too, but uh he's got some gems in his arsenal as well. So those guys have been great, and I'm looking forward to getting back on the road with them. I haven't been on the road with them in a couple of weeks because I was finishing up the NASCAR schedule. So I'm back with them for the next three games, and uh I can't wait to get out to Oregon and reconnect with those guys. Well, Josh,
1: it's been a pleasure to welcome you on the Everything USC podcast for the first time. Thanks for doing the show before you jump on a plane out to Eugene.
0: Thanks for having me, man. I had a blast.
1: So for my guests, Josh Sims of Fox Sports, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 93 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe, the place to find a sports and pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe. Every team, every topic, everywhere. And as always, as I end every show, please remember to fight on.